Well, after a longer than expected break, thanks for tuning back into the podcast. Um, I guess this week is Pam Andritzarkis from Holdfast Council, where I personally discover that there's a little more than meets the eye to just a council I thought was two roads and a main street. Learn some tips on starting off new jobs, the benefits of networking, and, and also hear about some programs for empowering refugee women. So it's quite a good one. And on a side note, I do the podcast 100% for no financial benefit because I love it and that I hope you get something out of it too. But if there is one thing I'd like to plug, it would be if you've got some end of financial year, you want some tax write-offs, how about donating some money to breast cancer research? The reason for the whole delay in doing another podcast was my wife at 34 years old was diagnosed with quite an advanced breast cancer just before Christmas. So... While looking after a six-month-old and a three-year-old, things have been a little more complicated than what I expected. And probably the outlook for Catherine and all the chemotherapy is probably only so good thanks to some of this breast cancer research. So your dollars do actually go to a good cause. So that would be my plug. And yeah, sit back, enjoy. Over to Pam. All right. All right. All right. Well... Yeah, so thanks for coming on to be interviewed. We'll no, see how it thank goes. you. Uh, so normally I say in 30 seconds or less, describe mm. your current role, but maybe yours could allow for that's a right, minute. That's all right. <laughs> a minute or so. No, no, that's all right. Okay, my current role in 30 seconds or less. At the moment, I'm depot, uh, I'm manager field services. We changed the title from depot manager to manager field services, manager traffic and transport, and manager environmental and coastal assets. So it's a small head carrying three portfolios, three very busy portfolios. Um, basically, the field services um, portfolio, I guess, is self-explanatory. We are at the depot. Yeah. We're a maintenance-only depot. We don't do um, huge capital works projects. We're not, we don't have the fit-out for that. Yeah. But we pretty much maintain everything that goes on in the council from uh, our heartbeat, which is Glenelg, Mosley Square, and that's yeah. a almost a 24-7 operation of cleaning um, right through to you know Seacliff Park and Glenelg North, yeah. curb, and, curb and water table maintenance, footpath maintenance, parks and reserves maintenance. So all the maintenance and do you, that's So required. do you do the beach as well? We like do the, the beach. beach. We do the beach. Itself. We do beach cleaning, uh, yeah, beach ramps. Uh, yeah, everything that yeah. happens on our part of the beach as well, including <laughs> the jetty. We have the yeah. two jetties, Brighton and Glenelg jetties. Wow. Um, so that's our depot side, traffic mm-hmm. and transport. My colleague and I, Damien, we manage the movement of extremely high volumes of traffic through yeah. the whole city, uh, particularly our peak times in summer uh, with Jetty Road being the number one uh, preferred route for vehicles, trams, buses, cyclists, pedestrians, yeah. wheelchairs, prams, gophers, every, <laughs> everything that can move moves yeah. up and down Jetty Road. Um, so we're constantly obviously monitoring our traffic uh, given the high volumes very very low speeds so we have very low crash rates yeah okay um, that's interesting yeah but lots of parking issues uh, lots of high demand for parking yeah. albeit we do have an oversupply of parking really we have an yeah. oversupply but we have some peak demand periods yeah okay um, we're also South Australian and we all like to park in front of wherever we're going so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will not yeah. walk any further <laughs> yeah. than you know 50 metres um, so that's our traffic but the, look the rest of the city again high volumes of traffic travelling through our city the north south obviously in the mm-hmm. morning uh, and the afternoon east west there's again there's a lot of movement during the day very very low crash rates um, throughout the city most of our traffic calming devices the standard speed humps and road humps yeah. and all of that stuff that happened in the 80s and 90s is, is still serving its purpose um, our main focus for us is really our cycling infrastructure is yep. improving that um, so coast park is happening with the off-road shared uh, path that's being constructed between north haven and or Dinger, I think it is. Oh, going all that way. Yeah, yeah, it's about way. seventy kilometres yeah. in total. Wow. So we have our last section to do, subject to funding. Yep. And then Damien and I, at the moment, while well, I'm working on my final big project for cycling infrastructure, is to get bike lanes on Anzac Highway between Brighton Road and Collie Terrace. 
for peak hours or no or full time full time full time yeah, bike okay. lanes so that project hopefully the, the tender is out this week closes yeah. this week so that's the type of infrastructure we do and constantly trying to improve road safety particularly at schools yep so for the younger the little kiddies trying to cross roads emu crossings the usual standard stuff um, and again parents trying to park their car yep, parents right outside the door <laughs> wanting to park in no stopping zones just to pick up their child yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went past one the other day where people were actually parking they were going up the pedestrian ramp yeah. and the traffic lights yeah. driving in yeah. parking and parking on the verge next yep. to the traffic lights and because all they care about is their child <laughs> yeah. yeah not the 10 that you've no. run down no. in the meantime no one else's child matters yeah, except their that own was definitely the most yeah. ridiculous so we have interesting drivers <laughs> here as well um and then the environmental and coastal asset side again that's kind of a newbie for me again it's managing the beach our coastal assets, sand dunes. We have some also Aboriginal, the Chibruki Springs, and down mm-hmm. south along the Seacliff area, we have some sacred yep. sites through there. So they're managed in a very, very different way uh, with the Indigenous community mm-hmm. involved in how we plant or remove any plants, and basically how we manage that entire biodiversity um, wow. area. Mm. Really sensitive. <clears throat> so that's been an interesting experience for me because I guess it's stuff that, I read about or hear about, but I haven't really been actively involved in. So we have mm-hmm. our biodiversity officer who has a group of volunteers who are so passionate about uh, retaining the indigenous species or planting more native yeah. species and vegetation. And these people who can just identify weed, <laughs> they just by looking at it, they know what it is and, and how far it will spread. And it's, it's a fantastic world. Yeah. Um, so there's that whole sand dune world as well of yeah. us constantly trying to um, maintain the sand dunes because they are they are like they are alive so they're moving yep yeah. they're constantly moving up and down the coast and um, you're not allowed to touch them you're not allowed to bring any sand you can't take sand so you've just got to monitor this movement of sand up and down the beach so we create sand drift fencing yeah um, to try to retain the sand dunes yeah wow yeah they're almost kind of i'm careful to use the term but they're almost reaching this kind of heritage listing yeah yeah but they're an extremely important part of the coast Uh, and protecting the sand dunes pretty much results in protecting us yeah this is nice i mean yeah (laughs) it'd probably be safe to say to a lot of the other councils think hold fast these Two streets north, the Jetty Road. Two streets south, and that's all yeah. you've got. <laughs> but it is, but it's, it's yeah. whole other no, side. No, most people really think when they think yeah. Holfast Bay, they think Tram, Mosley Square, Glenelg. Yeah, there's a whole other side to our council. That's right. There, the sand dune issue is also at West Beach, but yeah. ours, yeah, we've got the Jabrulki Springs, and there's, so there's a lot of Ghana. I've got that brochure oh, yeah. just up there. So there's a lot of Ghana involvement in in how we manage our biodiversity. Um, and then the envir- the environmental side of stuff at the, for us at the moment, mm. we're part of a group called the Resilient South. Sorry, yep. so much for my 30 seconds. No, um, and that is about us adapting. How, well, how are we going to adapt? And I'm thinking, well, what are we waiting for yeah. <laughs> to the climate change? Um, yeah, because I think that's with Mitchum, Marion. Mitchum, Marion and Onkaparinga. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so the four councils are working together and then... Uh, an action plan has been produced so each council's got their action plan um, and we need to invest a lot of money into yeah. what is required <clears throat> and I think all four councils are finding the challenges through their elected members uh, everyone appreciates the reality of climate change yeah. but when it comes to committing millions of dollars because that's what we're talking here it's not a few hundred thousand millions of dollars yeah. to actually improve infrastructure or our drainage whatever is required to actually be prepared for this and the reverse of that the heating effect yeah even just reducing some of the heat islands that's right you have to plant ten thousand that's exactly right yeah there's a there's a dollars just there at the moment there's a um not a strategy a project called 20 million trees mm. so of course we're trying to tap into that because we are in the city of Holfast Bay we're supposed to have a canopy of 30% to be yeah. adapting to the climate the heat effect of climate change 
and at the moment we're sitting at 10 percent how have you how did you map the 10 percent just from it's been done no not us it's been done at a federal level Ah. Yeah, it's. I think I don't know if the bureau I've met or whoever the universities. Yeah. So that at a federal level, they have mapped the entire country. Wow, this is a huge, huge increase in tracking up to thirty. That's right, and that so that heat mapping has been distributed throughout Australia. It's, it's accessible through the internet as well. So the idea is that each council is supposed to be working on yeah. improving their tree uh, coverage, tree coverage, um, canopy coverage. Because, of course, for us, we're linking that into transport from our perspective of saying, well, if we're looking at active communities yeah. and we're wanting people to move around the city and we want them to be not moving by vehicle, moving by foot or on a bike, well, we need to be able to provide yeah, shade, shade and seating and public transport access. And so we're trying to create all those links. Mm. And again, philosophically, everyone nods politely and says, yeah, yeah we get it, we get it. But when it comes to putting the dollars on the table... Yeah, rubber <laughs> on the road to actually start putting these things in. That's right. Yeah, so we don't have the dollars. but So that's it in 30 seconds, no. Um, so that's the role that I'm yeah. covering at the moment. Busy? <laughs> Busy? Um, well, how do you, I guess the other thing is, how did you get here? Or where, whereabouts did you start off? How did I get here? Yeah. He says, well, I actually chose to... I did an associate diploma in computer programming... Yeah. thinking that that might be my career path, found myself contracted to the city of Enfield yep. prior to amalgamation. So that was in the very early 90s. Um, and I was there. They were in customising a computer program to suit their needs as a council, and I came in as part of the project team. So part of my role was uh, to be involved with Pat Mize. That's how I met Pat. And we would data entry a lot of information and then... When that information was extracted, there was the analysis. Yeah. So we had to see if the system was functioning and working. Um, I was there for about, I think, 18 to 24 months. And the, the people that had been engaged, the company that had been engaged to develop this software, it wasn't coming together. And, <laughs> and me being mean, not short of you know, coming forward... We were having meetings, probably monthly meetings with the CEO, because of course he wanted updates on how this was going. And there were, there were, look, there were parts of it that were working, but overall, I personally couldn't see how it was all going to come together. Um, and I was playing just a, a small role, really. Yeah. And I, I did openly tell the, the CEO that I didn't know how much money he'd invested in this project, but <laughs> I didn't was, see that it was going to come to fruition in the in the near future because, of course, yeah. they had a time frame as well. There's a budget yeah, okay. and a time frame. He probably would have appreciated the the bluntness, though. I, well, yeah. I, I hope. I hope not. I, I couldn't help. My, I had to be yeah. honest because, but and but part of that meant I was putting myself out of a job. Yeah, you know, to be so brutally honest to say to the CEO, look, I don't know how much money you've invested in this and how much time, but this isn't going where you want it to go. Um, which meant I was pretty much... If they were going to end the project, I was out of employment. Uh, so anyway, my personal life had changed at that time, so I I had to have a job. Uh, as a con- They did terminate the project. It counts probably three months, four months later. They did actually just cease, <laughs> wrote it off as a bad experience and moved on. Um, but I, I was stuck for work now, and my yeah. personal life had changed, so I had to be employed. Um, so I ended up at the depot at Kilburn taking yeah. on an admin role um, so then that gave me exposure to depot operations um, and you know ordering concrete and <laughs> the various other aspects of depot operations yeah. mind you it was a very big depot uh, and then around about that time so I, I became a permanent employee at the depot mm-hmm. um, and that, at that time we were then going through an amalgamation so with the amalgamation, which happens, there are yeah. losses and gains and some people are moved on and then say new opportunities arise. And I guess perhaps through my experience now at the depot of having now that exposure of how you know drainage, parks and gardens, nurseries, stores, civil works, engineering, the whole package. Yeah. Um, I was offered an opportunity to come into the technical services side, which... At that point, they required a traffic officer. Um, so I came in to yeah. try that out. Of course, it was, look, let's try it out for three or four months and see how you go, see how we go. Uh, anyway, I came into that role and slotted in and 
at that point, who was there? I think Rita had gone. Yep. Chris Dunn had come on board. Mm-hmm. So Chris was the traffic engineer, yep. the qualified <clears throat> traffic engineer, and I came in as his assistant, dealing with the uh, lower level parking and traffic issues, um, predominantly the parking issues. Yeah. Uh, just changing parking controls, consulting. So now I was getting exposed to the community of having to negotiate with people and consult. Yellow, yellow lines. And That's right. Everybody wants yeah. a yellow line across the road from their driveway. Um, everybody wants two-hour parking in front of their house, but not for them or their visitors or their yeah. daughter or the nanny. or the. And so that opened up that world. Um, and then traffic for tra- my assistance to Chris was he had to do two LATMs, local area traffic management schemes a year. Yeah, okay. So that part of nice that. Yeah, yeah, so part of that. Now, remember the council at that point, the amalgamated council was from Outer Harbour to Valley View. So it's a huge area that you're yeah. having to deal with. Um, so Chris's role to do the LATMs, he had to have traffic data. So pretty much I collected the data for him, I analysed the data and gave him the data so that he could then proceed to work at his LATMs. Uh, But then he and I, you know, obviously as I gained more experience and Chris needed more help, we we became a team and I was helping him out more and more. Um, We then got involved with, you know, the Department of Transport at the time, Transport SA, and we were doing the rolling out pilot programs like Safe Routes to School. So the road safety started to gather momentum and it wasn't just a stock standard engineering, you know, put in a roundabout, put in... Yeah, it involves some thinking, it actually involves some behaviour and some behaviours, watching people's behaviours. So that was the changing world of of traffic in the city of uh, Port Adelaide Enfield. Really busy, really, really, really busy place. Yeah, so you obviously enjoyed it. I did. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the, the, the variety, albeit it might sound like it's all the same sort of work. It actually, there was variety, but we were also starting to take a different approach, a much broader approach as to how we manage movement versus just traffic. Uh, and of course, then the Port River Expressway was coming on board. Yeah. All these other projects were starting to come on board. So you could, you, you had to zoom out to see how was all this traffic and pe- and people were going to move through the city. Uh, with development starting to go up with the um, Harbourside Quay, whatever it's called down at Port Adelaide. And Newport Quays. Newport Quays, trying to get commercial traffic out of St Vincent Street to create a much more community feel, a much more retail <laughs> precinct. and So you're trying yeah. in, you know, in your own way to make whatever small changes you can to facilitate what, what is coming on board. Um, so yeah, from as so as a consequence from there, uh, that was sixteen years. Yeah, and I do. I had a couple of personal crises in there as well that were major setbacks. So being at Port Adelaide Enfield was also very safe. Mm-hmm. I was you know quite well established in the yeah. in the council, so I needed a bit of a safe haven for to deal with those personal issues, and I was provided that space at council. But at some point, you know, you, you dust it all off and you've got to move on. And I remember it was about sixteen, at about the 16-year mark, looking outside my window and asking myself, is this it? Yeah. You know, for me, I think one of the turning points was the drive to work. The one day right. I just went, I'm just so sick of driving this same road right. every day. Yeah. You've got to move. No, no, that didn't bother yeah. me so much <laughs> other than I remember looking outside the window and I just thought, shit, is this it? Am I going to do this for the rest of my life here? <laughs> I went, nah, that's okay, something's got to give now. Yeah. I either, either I accept where I am and I become like some of the people that I was working with who had been there for 40 years and 50 years or 35 years, or here was an opportunity to move on. Yeah. However, in, by then I'd also, because I do like to network and, and I've made it a point in life to network and I do, I'm, my community work so I'm constantly networking with people so I had started to develop a network through the AITPM yep. I had nominated to be on the committee which is a committee of volunteers who are promoting um, the traffic and transport world and we hold tech forums mm-hmm. and an annual conference every year blah blah so part of my I guess professional and personal development and I got myself onto this the committee 
and that was proving to be quite valuable to me is yeah. more so than I probably didn't have a lot to offer at the time but as the years progressed so as a consequence of that I thought okay well I'd like being in the traffic world and I must say it was more the traffic it was still more the traffic world it, yeah. it was starting to evolve but it was still mainly focused on traffic and before I knew it I called the tech officer at Unley because Tour Down Under had come on board then yeah. and we were going to hold a Tour Down Under I think it was a Tour Down Under event for Port Adelaide yeah. Yeah. and I knew that Unley had done one so I thought I'd give them a call and just see exactly you know how big how big is this thing what what can we expect <laughs> to be dealing with yeah. so I called the tech officer at Unley and we had the conversation and during the conversation he said oh, have you heard that I'm leaving and I said no I hadn't he said oh my job's been advertised didn't you see I said well no actually I haven't been looking so the stirrings were there but I yeah. hadn't actually, actually actively started to look so I thought I'm going to apply for this position albeit I felt to a certain degree that I didn't necessarily have the quals for it because it did specifically ask for a degree in civil engineering. Anyway, I applied for the position and they wanted CAD uh, drawing skills and there was probably 60% of the stuff I didn't have. Mm. But I thought, no, I'm going for this job. (laughs) Applied for the position, got an interview, turned up for my interview and sat out the front at reception and there was another guy sitting next to me who had... A roll of drawings he'd obviously brought it along to show his CAD abilities <laughs> and he had this roll under his arms and I was just sitting there with my handbag yeah. <laughs> thought, okay this is my competition anyway I went in for the interview and as it turns out uh, they had several people who had applied who had the degree in civil engineering which was considered an essential and who had all the CAD expertise that they required uh, but had no local government experience. Yeah, and not 16 years of traffic That's experience right. as well, which is... Uh... So that, what I found then, yeah, my experience at Port Adelaide Enfield, my traffic experience, my community awareness and yeah. consultation, uh, talents and skills, uh, my ability to write reports and letters and to understand the, the, the entire operations of local government with my depot experience basically ticked you know nine or nine of the ten boxes well, it's a safe bet that's the thing if it like if you've got all that any small niche things that council need i think it's easy enough that you can pick them up but you can't well, that's pick right. up all that other stuff that's right well what had happened that's is thing. only did not do any in-house design work yeah and and i think that they were looking at possibly bringing it back in-house and had the right person had all of those skills they may have yeah. brought their their design work in-house yeah versus giving it out to consultants. But I guess what I had to offer far outweighed, you know, somebody designing a couple of roundabouts. Um, so they, they made the choice of yeah. getting me in there, someone who could literally just hit the road, you know, just grab her UBD because this is pre-GPSs yeah. uh, <laughs> and TomToms. Yeah. So, you know, who could pr- effectively just grab a street directory and hit the road. Um, so that's how I came to be at Unley. Anyway, I got to Unley very very small well a medium-sized council yeah. very wealthy council but a medium-sized council but a small team so our traffic well they at Port Adelaide in for those Chris me and Mike Mike Goody as our yep. manager but then we also had like a sign crew um, an in-house sign crew and in-house line marking so your team and then your events team so our, our team overall was probably 12 to 15 people yeah well, I got to Unley and there was me and Charles and an admin officer um, and then about two or three guys from the depot. So yeah. effectively my team had been halved and now I was buying signs yeah. from, a, <laughs> from a contractor. Yeah, and that didn't sorry, arrive the next day either, right. you had to plan a week. That's right, yeah. so that would take 10 to 15 days and I was, what do you mean it's going to take this long? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I put my order in today and I have my signs within 48 hours. Yeah. No, 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 no. So I had to get my head around the fact that I was now having to go out to purchase line marking, to purchase signs, to have drawings done because we were doing in-house, as you know, in-house yeah, design yeah. as well at Port Adelaide Enfield. So this, I needed to get my head around this as well. The other adjustment I needed to make was going from Port Adelaide to Unley. Because I've got to tell you, I mean, I'm no beauty queen, but I made no effort 
showing up yeah. to work at Unley at Port Adelaide. <laughs> yeah. It was the presentation was pretty or by the end of it there was no effort whatsoever. I can't really remember. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a different environment. Not the not the council outside of the council. Yeah. As soon as you stepped out it, we were dealing with a different clientele at Port Adelaide. At Unley, um, every second car is a BMW or a, an E-Class Mercedes or a Porsche or a Jaguar. I'm just surrounded now by wealth. Yeah, so and all highly educated and know their rights. That's exactly right. So I'd gone to, from so. a group of people who were quite socially disadvantaged. Um, and when, For example, at Port Adelaide, if we put in uh, an emu crossing at Mansfield Park Primary, we had people coming out and thanking us. Yeah. Yeah, these people were grateful yeah. to the extreme of coming in to put in a yellow line and having someone come out telling me that they're working for the ombudsman or that they're a, uh, a barrister and you'll be <laughs> hearing from my lawyer and I'm the doctor's wife. and I'm yeah. So I went from one extreme to the other of people who, were, who embraced <laughs> road safety <laughs> because potentially they didn't have a car, low socioeconomic yeah. environment, to the other extreme of being sued by everyone so <laughs> it was interesting so that took probably i don't know like anything three months to get your head around where am i you know this is a whole other world for me because i i'm a western suburbs girl anyway so yeah. only i didn't even know what only council was <laughs> um, and as a concept of course then you get a haircut you start yeah. wearing lipstick Jeez, I actually power need, suit. I, well, I need to crank it up here because I, you know if I'm going to blend, yeah. I need to try to make a bit of an effort because it's a completely different uh, external environment. But look, I like, again a lot of the traffic stuff at Unley had been done. We were really tweaking. There was a lot of tweaking. Um, so I don't know four or five years into this, I've, I remember looking at my manager going, Charles, we're just regurgitating the stuff that we did five years ago. Yeah. There wasn't anything new really happening. Uh, Mike Turner Bikeway, yep, that was a project. Once that was finished, okay, what's the next project? We didn't really have any major projects. So at that point, you kind of, you were bored. I was bored. So I, what am I going to do here? Yeah. In five years, I'm going to be churning out or, or revisiting that same intersection that I revisited <laughs> 10 years ago that we can't do anything at. Yeah. You know, because it's just complaints based. So we were really just investigating the same stuff over and over and over. I thought, no, I'm done here. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, there'd also become some personal development stuff was happening as well. Um, my volunteer work, obviously, I'd become you know involved in different community, ethnic community groups, working with refugees, trying to empower women to have their independence. Refugee women, Muslim women. Yeah. How did you get into South that? African countries? Yeah. Teaching them independence and finances. So is that is that because they would have been wouldn't have been involved in that in more male dominated oh, absolutely. there than absolutely. Come, come absolutely. here? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but even here, the culture yeah. just comes here as well. So well, I was in this committee um, called, through the multicultural communities SA. Yeah. And we decided to pilot a project. There was four or five of us women who decided to pilot a project. Um, with a group of Muslim women mm-hmm. teaching them financial independence. Yeah. Because okay. a lot of them are governed by... It's a, it's a very male-dominated, predominantly male-dominated community. So the women who, at that point, who probably only receiving Centrelink payments, yeah. what would happen is that money would also get taken. So yeah, these okay. women are left penniless and with no access to finances. Yeah. And that's how they control And that's how it's it's managed. Yeah, so if if you have no access to finances, then you can't do anything. Uh, And so, you know, or they only had enough to go shopping, get food for the kids and for Mm -hmm. the family, and that's it. So we were getting into this. Well, what we did was we piloted a program of, you know, because the women had the ATM cards, but we were teaching them now that what they probably shouldn't be doing is giving out their PIN numbers. You know, we were saying you actually are allowed to have your own money now. The government does give you money, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so, we so were... how did you come across the women? Was it was it something you would approach them, or they were ones that were no? We had no. We had to we had to find groups and we had yeah. to approach them and offer it to them, but they had to accept that they would also uh, allow allow us yeah. accept the program to come to them, 
but they also had to do groundwork to make sure that they would have 25, 30 women there. Yeah, okay. Don't bother bringing two. For us, for this to have any effect, we need 25, 30 women. Yeah. So then they had to then negotiate they empower with the others men. and they talk. And That's what, the, that the was the intention. Yeah. Yeah. So then we asked them to then negotiate with the men uh, on how that would happen. Of course, there was resistance. Wow. But this is just we bizarre. said, you, this does need to happen. So we did get there, but part of the deal was we had to feed the men. They had to be there, so they would be in the other room whilst we had the women in this room. They had the children, because of course yeah. there's always lots of children, and they weren't going to look after the children, so they brought the children into the room. So we geared up with toys and everything and took the kids all into a corner so that the women could have just that, you know, half an hour of yeah. listening. Yeah. And I suppose the males felt safe because it was women... Well, they were uncomfortable. They didn't like yeah. it because they, they, they didn't like the idea of what we were going to teach these women. Um, it, was inter- it was interesting. You could see that there were some women who were already mm. making the changes very slowly, but they were getting it because, unfortunately, for some of the women, their exposure as well is that they've actually come here yeah. with other people's children. So they, they may not even be their children. Wow. They've just tried to save kids, yeah. you know, through Sierra Leone and these countries. So they've and so these boys, predominantly the boys and our teenagers, and you know they were having trouble trying to manage these boys, and you can appreciate that as well. Yeah. They're socially not interacting, but they're now drinking, gambling, smoking. So they're basically taking the money from the women to go off and do whatever they need to do. There was no money to feed the little ones. So difficult trying to, oh, yeah, right. really difficult situations for these women trying to manage really bad situations. Yeah. Some of them were already, so you could see the, the, the clog, cogs were already turning. But um, still, it's also hard if you're 35, 40, hmm. and you've had 35 or 40 years of that, exactly. that indoctrination. Ex- exactly. Um, so we did a couple of those, but it now the group's not necessarily disbanded but there's a couple of us who will still make calls to each other and go hey you know i've got this family who need this that mm. blah, blah. so we we keep that network going amongst us but it's not formalized yeah so we're not getting grants or anything like that we just kind of do our own and little own thing now there's about four or five of us and the phone calls keep happening but that's amazing i didn't even know there are any of these things oh yeah, yeah. around so of course we've turned up there's me who's greek uh kathy chinese Angela, uh, part Aboriginal, Ada, who's Filipino. So, you know, because we're multicultural. Yeah. So the multicultural women have turned up. And, yeah, of course, we didn't go there in mini skirts and high heels. You know, you, you have to yeah. dress according to the environment you're going to. Um, so it was, it was interesting. but So that was part of my personal outlet as well. So I guess what's the picture I'm painting here? I don't live a nine-to-five life. No, um, uh... The day starts at some point, but there is no end to the day. So mm-hmm. it wasn't uncommon for me to go to work and do do everything I did at work and then leave because I then had a six o'clock meeting with AIT you're, PM. Yeah, and you're heavily involved with the Greek community. The Greek well. community. Well, that's how I got into the multicultural community. And then my union activities. I was mm-hmm. still branch, a South Australian Northern Territory branch president for the union. So I was an activist. So it's a busy, busy life. But that's the way I like my life. That's also got a, 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 there's a limited age where you can do this. <laughs> yeah, like, at some point, other things happen. Anyway, so I applied for the position at Holdfast, which was now being advertised as the coordinated traffic and transport. And so I rang and I met with the then manager and asked, obviously, for more information about yeah. the job because the job had not been filled for about three months three or four months. So I asked the obvious question, why has the job been <laughs> vacant for so long? Yeah. You know, what's, a, well, what's the problem? See, the answer of you. That's uh, right. Uh, I'm suspecting There's something you. going on here. Why is this position still vacant? Anyway, so he, as far as, as I recall, the response was, we, we haven't quite found the right person yet. And I thought, mm, yeah, it's a pretty lame excuse, but okay, yeah. I'll buy it for now. Um, so just explored that a little bit further. Okay, so what exactly does the role entail? You know, given there's a tram coming through Jetty Road, mm. you know, because I really didn't know a lot about the council. But then I asked around. 
after that informal coffee chat, I rang a few of the networks and asked what they knew about the city of Holfast Bay. And I received really, really bad reports. Yeah. And I thought, oh no, because <laughs> the job sounded great, the place is great, you know, yeah. Glenelg, Brighton Beach, blah, blah, blah. But really bad reports about Holfast Bay. And I thought, well, it can't be that bad because, gee whiz, everything looks okay. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's operating okay. Anyway, so continued the conversation with that, the manager and then we went for a second interview or conversation chat um, and then had a formal interview. And by now I'd established yeah. I think I was the only person who'd applied. <laughs> and I thought, what am I walking into? <laughs> but I thought, oh, well, how, bad, you know, how bad can this be? Um, what I'd encourage anyone to do if they're looking to, how do you further your career? If you're looking at another job, Get on the website, read about where it is you're going. Who is this company? What do they believe in? What are their values? How big are they? How small are they? Well, the other, and what's the their o- demographic? Yeah. What's, their, what's their budgeting? What's their revenue? And the other thing do you find is, I suppose, it was interesting how you said, like you'd call up someone to ask about hold fast. Mm. Is part of that as well building up some of those networks? Absolutely. So you can do exactly Absolutely. that. To say, Absolutely. To say, what do, you, what do you know about Marion? What do you know about... Which is what I had North done Payne. through the AITPM. Yeah. I had a, now established my <clears throat> networks where I could pick up the phone. And, you know, For example, I could call Russell at Mitchum and say, yeah. hey, Russell, it's Pam. And you go, hey, how are you going? What do you know about this? Exactly. Yeah. And, and keeping those networks not yeah. just handing out a business card you actually have to develop relationships like it adds like you said like you said before like you're there eight ten hours a day mm-hmm. at least if you've got some of that social interaction with to. some of the people in the other councils yeah, yeah. Well, I've, and, but even in your own workplace the way, yeah, you have yeah. to you have to be engaged you have to be oh, this is well you have to be no you don't have to be this is how I operate mm-hmm. I believe that I want to be actively engaged I want to know, I don't have to know the intricate details of everything that goes on in council. I don't need to know where the CEO went for lunch and all that. I don't need to know that. What I need to know is what is the CEO's and the council's vision. Mm-hmm. How do they see or how do they want the city of Holfast Bay to look in 10 years? What my role is yep. to see that vision as well and to deliver for all of us together, coming from all different directions, to deliver on that vision. Yep. Anyway, uh, got the job, so yeah. to speak. Uh, came in, walked in, and as usual, walked into an office that was just full of books and folders everywhere that just looked superfluous to me. I thought, yeah, if you're not operating electronically, mo- mostly electronically, other than your working files, yeah. what's going? Why do you need all this stuff around? So I asked for a bin. That came in, and I remember one of the PAs said to me. At last, she said, "I've wanted to clean this room out for years." And I said, "Well, what's all this about?" I mean, it's, do I am I supposed to look important because I've got yeah. all these folds around me? I'm like, get rid of this shit. And she was like, <laughs> "Excellent." <laughs> um, so I pretty much sat down. I thought, "Okay, where do I start?" Uh, as it turns out, I, I knew one of the former tech officers who worked there, and I rang him, Neil Phillips, at Adelaide Council, and I said, "So, Neil, where do I start?" And he just burst out laughing and said, good luck. You didn't take that job, did you? <laughs> yeah. Because he said, what? Yeah, well, I think it was something like, what are you doing there? And I'm there, oh, I've got the job. And he just cracked up laughing. He said, oh, he said, good luck with that one. Yeah. And I'm there, what do you mean? He said, oh, you'll find out. Anyway, I felt quite comfortable about what was happening. Because as far as I'm concerned, what the approach that I took, and this is to help some of the people who might listen to this, the approach yeah. that I took was, You've come into a position that's been vacant for three and a half, four months. Clearly something has happened here. You don't know what, but something has happened. Mm. Um, As far as I was concerned, I walked into an office, which for me was a blank canvas. Yep. It was a blank canvas, and I had the paint, and I had the brush. Mm -hmm. And I could run this show however I wanted. Of course, by now, I knew how it needs to run. There's, There's the fundamentals that need to happen. But the rest of it, as far as I was concerned, I can do whatever I like. Yep. So I did. I just painted my own picture. And the obvious stuff that I started with was, I said, okay, where are our traffic counters? Where's our traffic data? So I can see, Mm -hmm. I want to see what sort of volumes of traffic are coming through here. No, we don't collect any traffic data. What do you mean? You have to. We'd have to be one of the busiest councils. What's going on? No. 
I said, hmm, this needs to change. So the first thing I did was put in for twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars, and said we need to buy traffic counters. They had some there, but they were old and they were battered and spiders. They were gone. They weren't working. I I was going to send them in for a a, um, a full maintenance, and the guys rang me from Perth and said, "Don't bother. They're that old. They won't even work. we can't we won't even fix them. <laughs> Don't yeah. just throw them out." <clears throat> so I put in for twenty twenty-five thousand dollars to buy new counters. Um, Anyway, that was sort of challenge, but we got there. So, um, and I can understand what they're saying that you know, gee whiz, you've been here five minutes and now you already want to spend money. Yeah. So yeah. I understand that, but I said, well, you need to invest. If you, if you're wanting your traffic department of one to do something, then I need to know what the traffic is. What am I managing? Yeah. And you've been, you've employed me to run the show. That's right. This is so what this I is what I need. What I need. This so is the, the traffic it. counters are, are your bread and butter. <clears throat> That's the bread and butter. That's the core of the whole operation Um, also expanded the operation to um, managing roadworks contractor roadworks because we there's a lot of development that goes on in this council a lot of high-rise development Mm multi-story and cranes were just coming in and out and trucks are blocking roads and just stuff was happening but there was no process to manage this yeah Um, okay so you manage all their their work zone traffic plans for yes. doing the private Yes, we give all the approvals yeah. and the over-dimensional approvals, yeah. any hoarding approvals. So we've got to keep this this machine mm-hmm. managed because it's a huge machine. And then we work closely with the reg services that as they're patrolling, if they uh, find any construction works or roadworks happening, well, no, not roadworks, construction works on multi-store, anything that they come yeah. across... If they don't have approvals, we shut them down. Yeah. Right? We've become pretty similar to Adelaide Council now because that, we cannot afford the impact on our road network because we have huge volumes of traffic yeah. moving through here. If you've got, got half a lane or a whole lane closed off... It can cause gridlock. Some, uh... mm. that, and we have people moving. There's a lot of pedestrian cycling activity through our council as well. We yeah. can't afford to have... Um, a bobcat going across footpaths, you know, to and from a truck, a tipper truck, and you know, people are walking, and yeah, so there's a whole safety aspect, and, should, and, and yeah. that's that's it'll be it all right. It's probably the, the I'll just usual be a minute, or, you know. It's yeah. the whole I'll just be a minute, I'll just be a minute. For us, it's it's all about safety. We need people to move around our city easily and safely. Yeah. If we can't achieve that, then what are we doing? Well, that's a good point because I think some of the best ones I've seen are the trucks delivering pavers and bricks that'll pull up and do exactly that the, they'll just with put the a traffic cone that'll come off yeah, yeah and he'll be crossing the path yeah. he'll be reversing right. into the road into traffic completely floor oblivious yeah Complete. his yeah, focus is the pavers he doesn't care about the person that's walking down the street or the cyclist that's coming yeah. down that, that they're all they're seeing is pavers traffic control. but that's our role other stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Springboard was another, and I've, in fact, only just asked the women around here today to consider that because I noticed one of your questions is about uh, yeah. Gen- gender. Yeah, I suppose that was mm. the thing, I guess, coming up, like, sort of what must be nearly 25 years coming into mm. local government. And, I mean, even when I started, it was predominantly male and still is. How have you found yeah. that? Particularly having started out at the depot, which would have been 100% male. Uh, yes, we had one. Yeah. We had one female in the horticulture team. The rest was, yeah. We had a hundred, well, there were 140 blokes. Yeah. 139 men, one female, and myself in the office. So there were two of us. That can be challenging. Not challenging. How do I explain it? The, when, when you're in a small group and there's only sort of a few women, because, you know, the boys will also have their conversations and it's not uncommon to have the football talk on yeah. Monday morning and everyone's talking about the mark that so-and-so took or, you know, <laughs> so the, the, the intricate details about yeah. football. And, yeah, that's great. Some women are into that. Um, I'm happy with just the end score. As long as the Crows win, I don't care how they get there. Yeah. So I can't, I won't necessarily come in and engage in that detail of conversation. So you, you want to have some sort of other conversation and that, that's not there. So it can be a little bit lonely. You either start learning a lot about football yeah. <laughs> or you just accept that there's not a conversation. You know, I'll join in the next conversation yeah. or, or you start your own conversation or something. 
So it can be a little bit lonely when you're in this constant environment of males, males, males. That has changed. It's still it's still dominant in local government. I don't know what's happening in consultancies. Mm. Certainly in local government, it's still a male-dominated environment. And I'm trying to think in my area, it's say in the traffic and transport, in local government, there's probably three three women at this at that level i mean there's transport planning which usually sits in a strategic environment what i'm talking about is at a sort of operational uh, type you know level of traffic and transport yeah. there's three or four uh, and you know when you consider there's 68 councils that are dealing with these issues in south australia so it's still we're still in the minority however i haven't at any point felt that i'm not valued as mm-hmm. a professional so in the department, the gen- there's more gender balance in the Department of Transport. Yep. So when we go, uh, those of us from local government, when we go to the seminars or the tech forums, you're now in, in a room full of more women, still in the minority, but you can see that it's changing. Those roles are changing. Yeah. Um, how many young women graduates are out there now, I wouldn't know. Uh, but we have had, you know, with the influx of migrants coming into the country because of the different approaches to education, we do have a higher uh, number of women coming yeah, out Yeah, I think, I think there's certainly more. And I mean, yeah. I guess there's uh, Karen at, like, at our work and she's, she says the days when she'd turn up to site and someone would ask, well, where's the engineer? And yeah. She'd be like, oh, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of yeah, that's sort of with, still but, around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's probably maybe not as bad now. No, yeah, that's that's kind of you. You might get one a year, you know. Whereas you'd get that at every site. Now you you might get one a year, or or the one that says, um, "I want to speak to your manager," because <laughs> <laughs> they, they see a woman, so they yeah. want to speak to her manager. And you go, "Well, I am the manager." Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so no, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. You've got uh, like I feel like you still exist. Which they're not, they're not going to say that, but what they're saying is, I want to speak to a man. So, but predominantly, I've got to look. I think the world has changed. We're finally, I think, getting to a point, uh, albeit we're still philosophically accepting gender. So, me coming in now, I've been here since July. Uh, It's a different dynamic being a woman in in this environment. Our environmental and coastal assets team of five. There are four women in that team and one male. So he's kind of got the reverse of what he's dealing with there. Um, But our day starts at 7am. And I walk in here at about 6.55. And it starts at 7. And the first, usually the first words I hear is, have you got a minute? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How does your... (laughs) Yeah. Like, what is your normal day like? Or what does it even look like before you get to work? So if, it, if, if it's so thorough or so, like, full steam yeah. when you get in at seven, yeah. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have, like, a relaxed morning before you come in? Or no, you just no, no. Well, I'm up, having a coffee at 6am and I'm already sending emails at home. Yeah. So the emails have already started at 6am or someone's texting me that they're going to be late. So all of that's happening between about six and quarter to seven. <laughs> or about 20 to 7, I'm driving to work. Arrive at work, sit down, say good morning, and you can see activity out there. So people are now, they're having their toolbox meetings, getting ready for the day's work. I don't interfere. We have four work group leaders. That's for the work group leaders. I don't interfere in how they run their operations. That's not my role. My Mm. role is to make sure that the operation happens. I mean, we have people out there from 5 a.m. cleaning every day. Uh, cleaning bins, wiping bins, sh- polishing stainless steel, scrubbing stairs. So it's all looking neat by the time everyone's getting up, coming down. By the time people get down there at seven o'clock for their coffee, it's clean. Yeah, <laughs> certainly not the the stereotype of the council worker holding the sign, is it? Absolutely not. All that stuff Absolutely. going on behind this the This team are troopers. Um, they're immaculate. If they get dirty, they go change their shirts. Mm. So, because it, it's appearance as well, yeah. you can't have cleaners looking dirty. It's a contradiction. Yeah, <laughs> so it's appearances as well. We have to make sure that our cleaners' appearance reflects what they're doing. Clean. Yeah. 
Oh, it's know. a polished operation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, so to speak. Whereas um, probably in the past, there was a bit of a badge of honour, probably having the greasiest, dirtiest hives you could get. Yeah, 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 true. Of, true like, that you've been working hard. That you've been working hard. Stuff, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, now it's the reverse. Of course, our people are wearing the City of Hull Fast Bay logo, mm -hmm. which they're proud of, and yeah. we're all proud of. Um, so as far as we're concerned, and as far as they're concerned, being in Mosley Square, cleaning the bins on the outside and cleaning the entire surround of the bin, um, I'm an ambassador for my council. Yeah. And that's how we treat everyone. Everyone is an ambassador. That's a good way of thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you've got that badge on, you're an ambassador for your council. Well, they're all into their footy. It's kind of like when you put the Guernsey that's on it. that it's exactly right. wearing your club's That's exactly colors, right. Um, so I walk in, 7 o'clock, 7.01, have you got a minute? Have you got a minute? Have you got a minute? That goes on for eight hours a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everything's have you got a minute. Um, but basically, <coughs> for me... Well, how do you keep track of things? How do you how do you manage your day or the uh, my the my day is managed through an electronic calendar. Yeah, so um, you rely heavily. With lots of alarms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lots of alarms going off. Uh, there are two telephones, one a personal. Phone. Yeah, that's what I thought. There was almost uh, three phones. Two phones and an iPad. Walkie talk. Yeah. Yeah. Walkie talkies. Um, two way radio, base station and portable. Still the, the cigarettes. Cigarettes. So if you go out for a smoke, you have the two-way radio here, the phones, yeah. and you take you take it with you. You don't leave it. Yeah. It comes with you. Well, I guess if you get you five missed calls to the toilet, you're out, you spend twice yeah, as that's long. That's right. So you just take it back. with you. Yeah. So it is a yeah it is a busy operation. I mean, I've turned the two-way radio off for the purpose of this, but normally the two-way radio is going non-stop, um, and everyone's on the two-way radio or telephones are happening. Uh, but at any given time, things can happen around here, particularly in those peak, those those high pressure areas, which is mm -hmm. Mosley Square, Glenelg, the two jetty roads, Jetty Road Brighton, Jetty Road Glenelg. Um, at any given time, anything can happen down there. Yeah. And I mean anything. <laughs> you don't know. You might have some good stories. Yeah, oh, I'm sure the guys uh, probably have some good stories. Yeah. In fact, here's a classic. Yesterday... Um, the outdoor cinema packed up over the weekend. They finished yes. their event, and somehow, not sure what how this has happened, but they had some bean bags. The bean bags have burst, yeah. and the foam oh, no. is all over the foreshore. <laughs> so <laughs> those things are impossible to clean up. That's right. So our boys have shot down there real fast with yeah. vacuum cleaners and all sorts, because for us, it's not only the mess; it potentially becomes an it's environmental in disaster. That's right. These things go into the water, yeah. and what happens is council is the vulnerable, is the easy target, yeah. not the people who are holding the cinema. Right? People won't point the finger at them; they'll yeah. point the finger at council. So we were down there yesterday. There was four guys for two or three hours, just picking up foam balls. Because <laughs> we have know. had we yeah. have dead marine wildlife. Wash up. Wash up. And what we don't want to do is be contributing to that. And yeah, we yeah. have those incidents because we have beach patrols. So I did. I had a call just before Christmas, I think. There was, or just after, there was a dead seal on the beach. Mm. Of course, they rang whoever they're supposed to ring and they said, oh, no, we're, we're too busy. We can't come down. Yeah. I guess you want to get just that bury, off well, they said, the just, kids. Well, just bury it. Kids, they said, uh, just bury yeah. it. So I got the call saying, look, these marine people said just bury it and I said no See, don't like, you dare start digging yeah. any holes on the beach and start burying a seal it, yeah. no pick it up take it to the depot put it in the bin cover it up yeah we'll do with it if they want it they can come and get it but on the, do not start burying on the beach right, please don't some, uh, <laughs> half decomposed corpse washing up while kids are digging a sand pit so it's those sorts of things that we're dealing with non-stop 